Chat on This are a series of conversations designed to be thought-provoking, informative, and offer an empowering approach towards well-being for your family. Brought to you by Advanced Health Chiropractic. Well, I'm absolutely bursting with excitement because today we get to hear from one of our very own, the magnanimous and most brilliant Heidi Herbert. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you. Um, I want to tell you all a little bit about Heidi first. I'm sure most of you are very aware of everything that she's been up to over the last few years. But for those who don't know Heidi, Heidi's a chiropractor, a researcher, mentor, and an educator. It goes without saying that Heidi is pretty hot property in the chiropractic world. Like me, Heidi graduated from the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. However, that's where our paths went a little bit divergent because she went on to become one of the world's most prominent chiropractic researchers. Uh, She is currently the Vice President of Research and Dean of Research at the New Zealand College of Chiropractic. She has a PhD in Human Neurophysiology from the University of Auckland. And she's also, if that wasn't enough, the author of the most fabulous book uh, that we recommend to all our people, which is called The Reality Check, A Quest to Understand Chiropractic from the Inside Out. And there it is. Heidi is the director of um, Horvick Research, a company that enlightens the world about the science of chiropractic at chiroshub.com. And she runs an online learning academy at chirosacademy.com. Heidi's received numerous research awards and has published a number of papers in chiropractic and neurophysiology journals. She's on the editorial board of the Journal of Manipulative and Physiological Therapeutics and Journal of Chiropractic Education and is a review editor in Movement, Science and Sport Psychology for Frontiers in Psychology and Sports Science. Today, I'm really interested to know from you, Heidi, What chiropractic research says currently with regards to our overall health and well-being, but more particularly with regards to the immune function or our immune system? But perhaps before we get into that wonderful stuff, could you just tell us where you are and what exciting things that you've been up to more recently? Well, at the moment, Katie, I'm in Norway. So um, I grew up in Norway, so that's why I'm uh, over here in Norway. My mum and dad live here. My brothers live here. They're families. So it's just wonderful to get some, you know, some Norway time for me. My heart's always a bit split, you know, but um, obviously my home's in New Zealand. Um, While I've been over here, I've been over presenting in the UK uh, a couple of times. uh, And I got interviewed by Russell Brand, uh, which was really, really exciting. So and we've just finished um, the data analysis of a randomized control trial, which is really important and, and cool. And we'll probably get to talk a bit about that later on as well. But it was some really exciting results showing that these brain changes with chiropractic adjustments, you know, how they're benefiting us. And that's where it gets really, really interesting because it's, it's, a, it's a new model, this brain model. It's only come about in the last sort of 20 years, which is actually relatively new. And it sounds like a long time, but... For new models to come through, you know, new knowledge and science, it usually takes about 30 years on average for it to sort of start ending up in textbooks. So it's not unusual that it takes a bit of time, but this new brain model of chiropractic care is 
very exciting and it's obviously on the rise. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's, um, it, it's incredibly um, on vogue as well, isn't it? You know, we're all talking about the nerve system and yet yeah. that's what chiropractic is based on, the nervous system and its function. Uh, yeah. So we're, I mean, we feel very, pr very proud to have you, uh, of course, a Kiwi, but also working at the New Zealand College of Chiropractic and um, really helping us as a profession to really pave the way. Because in practice, you know, you're able to now prove what we see and what, what chiropractors have been seeing in their practices mm. for literally over 100 years. So pretty exciting. The cool thing is we can actually now explain things. Absolutely, absolutely. We can and actually explain now how it works, why it works. And that's, you know, we've had theories before, but they haven't actually been biologically plausible or supported scientifically. But this new brain model, not only is it biologically plausible, it fits like a hand in a glove with the last 20 years of pain research of of neuroscience research, everything we're learning about the brain, about pain, about spine, about it's all fitting hand in a glove with the latest brain model of chiropractic. And it's so cool because we're finally starting to understand why we can have impacts such as the immune system, which I know is one of the topics that you wanted to talk about today. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we've only discovered it by following the data because mm -hmm. that's what a scientist does. They do some experiments and they don't always get, we didn't even get what we were expecting to find. You know, we were expecting to find these spinal cord changes or maybe brainstem changes. And no, no, the lasting changes were all up in the brain. So we had to actually, as scientists, change the whole model around going, hmm, this, you know, squashing nerve root model, it, it doesn't, doesn't actually fit the data. So then outcomes, well, what we're actually changing is the brain model. So when we're adjusting these subluxated segments in the spine, we know we're actually changing the brain itself. And a very important part, which is right behind our foreheads, mm. called the prefrontal cortex. Not that that's important, but it's really interesting when you, when you start thinking about the immune connections that we often see our patients come and report, right? Absolutely. Well, that was leading into our next question, actually. So when we look at the literature... Um, particularly with regards to chiropractic, what does it tell us about chiropractic and its, a, it's a impact on the immune system? Where's that connection do you see, particularly with the brain model? Well, it's um, really, really interesting, Katie, because when the whole pandemic hit, then, you know, I immediately, immediately, you know, head down, bum up, started to, to study, you know, what is the potential impact with chiropractic care and immune function? And what I came across actually surprised me. I didn't realize how much had been done. But the studies that had been done, there's quite a few of them, but they all fall into the category of what's called basic science. So, and what that means is it's about what something is, not about the health benefits, because about the health benefits fall into a bucket called the clinical science. So it's a different type of research. So one is about what things are, and one of it, one is how well does it help us achieve health benefits. So, we haven't done any clinical studies on immune function. So we don't know if you getting chiropractic care will improve your immune system. We don't know if it will prevent you getting sick. We don't know if it will speed up recovery if you are sick. Those studies haven't been done. But the studies that have been done are really interesting, really well done studies. I mean, some, there was a couple that were a bit less well done, which is okay. But the vast majority of the studies that had been done were really well done basic science studies. And what they were showing, Katie, is that when you adjust the spine, when we apply that high velocity, low amplitude thrust 
directed at a dysfunctional segment. Some of the studies actually just thrust at a predetermined segment, so that's not necessarily a dysfunctional segment, but it's still high velocity thrust at the spinal segment. What they could show was that in different studies, you change neuroimmune chemicals. So for example, you had neurotensin and substance P and oxytocin and interleukins, and these were changing after the adjustment. So we know an adjustment can impact these neurochemicals that are really important for immune system function, but we don't know what it means yet. Like, so, so, so then I ended up writing a study about this. So we summarized all of these cool, and we can put the link in the podcast if you want, if anybody wants to go and read about the study, because well, they can then read about all these really cool studies that have been done. And we, we summarized all of those. So there's definitely a connection between the spine and immune chemical release. And they tended to be in a positive direction. So it was like, it was increasing the anti-inflammatory chemicals. It was increasing like oxytocin, which is your feel good bonding chemicals. I mean, there's no, you can't put a negative on oxytocin. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's the, it's the mother baby bonding chemical. It's, you know, so it's the, it's, it's an amazing chemical. So we know that there's a connection between spinal function and these immune chemicals. And so then in the second half of that paper, we wrote about what's the most likely plausible mechanism. How, how could the spine possibly impact these neuroimmune sure. chemicals? So that's another cool conversation that we can have. So, but we don't yet know clinically because we haven't done the clinical trials, you know, where people then, you know, measure, so they all get exposed to a bug, you know, and, and see if those under care don't get sick. Right, that's one of the possible mechanisms. I mean, the possible outcomes, but we just don't know because those studies haven't been done. The other study would be people that are under care versus people that aren't under care and and they get sick. Do the ones under care recover faster? You know, that's another, but it's a clinical trial. Those studies haven't been done yet. So, I mean, you know, this is why the future is so exciting, right? Because we can do those studies. We just need the, the funding to do them. And it may well be, because I don't know about you, but when I was practicing, I don't know how many times I used to hear, hear that, you know, ever since I started seeing you, Heidi, and getting adjusted, I just don't seem to get, I used to get the flu every year. I don't get the flu anymore. Why is that? And I couldn't answer that 20 years ago. But now I'm like, yeah, I know why that might be happening, you know, because now I know the yeah. connection, especially with that prefrontal cortex. Yeah, uh, well, that was that's exactly uh, all of our experience, isn't it? Is is you you yeah. really do notice um, how people and their their immune response seems to be, become more robust. Um, they seem to be more resilient. They seem to bounce back a lot quicker. Um, we had yeah, you will have experienced this too. People coming in and say, "Can you just do that immune one again?" And I'm like, I "Well, I don't know what the immune one is, but let's just get you checked because that will help." I know, and <laughs> like autoimmune um, things as well, eh? Like, because that's also an immune system. You know, you've got the infections, but you've also got the autoimmune conditions. And again, I mean, I you know, remember seeing MS patients and all kinds of patients, rheum rheumatoid arthritis patients, and when they were under regular care, we could keep the flare ups to a minimum. We could maintain their system so much better. And so I know there's something there, like just from anecdotally as a, as a practitioner, I've seen it, right? And I know you've seen it. I know other chiropractors seen it, but we just mm. don't have those clinical trials yet. Mm. But what we do have is we do have that data around the mechanisms. And I find that exciting because if we can explain 
from a, you know, in a, in a biologically plausible manner, what could be going on? And we've already got that basic science data set. We've got all those studies that prove there's that connection there. It, you know, it's, at least you can explain to those patients that come in and say, look, you know, I know you're affecting my immune system. Do you know how? Well, now I can actually say yes, and I can explain how. And would you like me to explain? Or is that too much detail? <laughs> yes, let's no, no, I think, I think this is really... Well, so what we do know is all around your body, you've got these neuroimmune units. It's like neuroimmune cell units. So you've got immune cells, neurons, and glial cells. If you've forgotten what glial cells are, anyone that's listening, it's those supposed helper cells that are in the nervous system. Turns out that those glial cells are almost more important than the neurons themselves, but <laughs> we won't go there. So you've got these immune cells, neural nerve cells and glial cells, neuroimmune units. They're all over your body, especially in the boundaries between you and the external world. So all over your skin, your eyes, your membranes, all throughout your gastrointestinal tract, your nose and throat, all the way through your tummy. Because obviously inside your gastrointestinal tract is actually outside your body, right? Because then you poop it out the other end. <laughs> so actually your whole gut inside it, the lumen, the hole inside it, all the way through is actually the outside world. It's not considered part of you. But once it's digested and taken into your body, then it's part of you. So in all these, but also within your body, all throughout your body, you've got these immune connections. And what we know is that the brain and the immune system talk to each other in a big way. There's two ways that the brain talks to the immune system and there's two ways that the immune system talks to the brain. One is neural and one is hormonal, so meaning through the blood, right? So they're the two big ways. Now, guess which part of the brain <laughs> is most responsible for communicating directly with the immune system? Hmm, that prefrontal cortex, that part that we impact with every adjustment we make all day, every day. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, and I still remember, Katie, I still wow. remember being in Denmark with, with Imran and, and this this neuroscience team that really studied pain and they did the source localization and, and they were telling us, you know, Heidi, when you guys do what you do, it, it, there's one part of the brain that changes in a big way. And that's this prefrontal cortex. I mean, I could have kissed the girl. <laughs> that is unbelievable. It is unbelievable because that prefrontal cortex has a direct impact on both the autonomic nervous system, that's the neural communication is via the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So it actually calms down the sympathetic and it directly activates the vagal cholinergic anti-inflammatory system. So it's it's absolutely amazing. And then, and then we also know that, that this also goes via the, the bloodstream as well. And the vagus nerve also talks back to the to the brain and the and the so the brain knows what's going on it's how the brain can impact your immune function and then we know we impact that prefrontal cortex which has this direct connection with the sympathetic and the parasympathetic um, and then you know so that is most likely how when we're adjusting and not only that katie we also know that that prefrontal cortex directly impacts your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal the neuroendocrine axis and they are the two ways that the brain and the immune system talk to each other via the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal, neuroendocrine system mm -hmm. and via the vagal, you know, autonomic nervous system. Yeah. And we know the prefrontal cortex directly communicates. It's unbelievable. Wow. Wow. So that's incredible. So I'm going to now in layman's terms, because you're so clever, but what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, Heidi, is that if you have 
a subluxation in the spine, if you've got a, a segment in the spine that is just not functioning well, that's going to impact that nervous system or the nerve system. And um, when we make an adjustment, a chiropractic adjustment to the spine, it will impact the prefrontal cortex, which is then basically controlling our immune response. Exactly. And, and we don't exactly know because we don't have the clinical trials, so we can't go and make claims yet that we definitely yeah. prevent diseases and disorders no. and that we speed up recovery. We can't make those claims yet because we haven't done those studies. But the connection, the mechanism is there. So we know we know when we're adjusting yeah. subluxations that the brain becomes more accurately aware of what's going on. And and we know that that, mm. that um, accurate awareness is happening in the prefrontal cortex because what we know happens is that the brain interprets all the signals that you get from inside the body and from the external world. So, you know, you hear things through your ears, you see things through your eyes, you taste things through your tongue, you smell things through your nose, but you've also got chemical senses inside your body, digestive, emotional, proprioceptive, so you know where your body is and how it's moving. All of these signals, your brain doesn't see everything 100% correct. It interprets all of that. And that interpretation we know happens in two particular parts of the brain, the cerebellum and the prefrontal cortex. And, and that's why that prefrontal cortex is so essential because it's part of how you interpret your reality, what's happening in your body and the world around you. And what we know happens is that your brain, that prefrontal cortex, interprets more accurately after you've been adjusted. Like we've even shown studies, Katie, where your brain more accurately interprets what you see and hear. So this isn't just about spinal function. Like this is about whole body, um, you know, perception. And the more accurate your brain is aware of what's going on, I don't know if you've noticed, but the more accurate your brain is, is of what's going on, the more accurately it can heal things, control things, and activate things, set off the right neuroimmune responses, and so on. And that's why this brain model that's is just... Right. It's so interesting and it starts to make so much sense, you know, when you start adjusting people and all of a sudden they no longer get flus and colds. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because the brain's more accurately aware of what's going on. So it's able to more accurately control the immune responses that it needs to and deal with those viruses when it does or, or maybe even digest your food better because it's more accurately aware of what you have got and what you don't have and what balances you need and like, and the other thing that's really interesting, I think, Katie, and I don't know if you've noticed this with your patients, because I always used to notice, and I thought it was really weird, that when I was adjusting patients, you know, full time back in the day, um, they seem to make better decisions after we've adjusted them. Yeah. So they suddenly made better yes. health decisions for themselves. They started moving more and they started eating healthier and taking good supplements. And I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I, excuse me, but, you know, <laughs> what's happening? But now we also know yeah. that that prefrontal cortex it, it is actually your executive functions. It's the seat of your intelligence. It's the seat of your goal setting and achieving your goals. So it wouldn't surprise me if we're actually making people better able to A, cope and B, make better decisions for themselves. Yes. You know, that's a fascinating yes. one, isn't it? Absolutely. And Oh, it's so fascinating. And then you, you, you step into the, you know, the emotional regulation, um, which of course, again, is all to do with that. It's, it's, it's pretty exciting. I have to say, um, on that emotional so regulation, you've already said it, but yeah. on that emotional regulation. So I'm terrible. I'll, I've got, you know, so much to share, right? <laughs> but on that emotional regulation, we've just recently done that study in the UK, which was a clinical trial 
because one of the key things that the prefrontal cortex does is control your emotions better and 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 cope so that you cope better it's all to do with resilience you know being able to cope um emotionally and very much regulate your emotions and is linked with with a lot of mental health disorders like depression anxiety and all the rest of it and in that clinical trial katie there's been a significant improvement in depression and depressive symptoms and i mean that to me is mind-boggling because it hasn't been looked at before so and also with the anxiety it was very close to significant so there was a trend but it was only four weeks of care and i don't know if you've known but in some of our other studies we found that some of the biggest changes take place between four to 12 weeks of care so yeah. like the first four yeah. weeks, it might not have been enough, but there was a significant decrease in the depression symptoms of these patients. What was even more cool is we, we looked at these, um, the, the functional connectivity within the brain. So we measured how different parts of the brain are communicating with each other. And there's a couple of parts. One was the prefrontal cortex and the other one was the precuneus. What's interesting about the precuneus, it's mm. a part that deals with the self in the brain. So who am I? And, and it's the part of the brain that, you know, when you think each day you go, oh, how was my day? You know, what did I, how did I do? And what could I have done maybe a bit better? And what did I do well? And in normal, healthy people, that's the extent of it. But in people that get depressed, there's an overactivity communication between the precuneus and the prefrontal because they don't just have a little, mm, how did I do today? What could I do better? They start this negative self-judgment. I'm useless. I'm hopeless. I didn't do anything well today. I'm, you know, they ruminate in everything that went wrong. So there's an overactive communication between the prefrontal and the precuneus. Guess what we found in that study again? Not only were they significantly less depressed, but they decreased the communication between those two brains that we know is overactive in depressed patients. Wow. So we're starting, Katie, to actually pick apart which of these prefrontal cortex functions are we actually improving and how is it changing the brain in such a beautiful way that it's, it's just, it just makes sense. This is the latest neuroscience on depression. That is, that is very exciting. And look at, look at how we're suffering in our, you know, in our Western world with these horrible mental, mental health challenges. So very exciting, very, very exciting. And we look forward to seeing that published. Well, the world's getting more and more scary, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, really scary. world's getting a bit more scary, hasn't it? The last few years have been pretty terrifying, really, for most Absolutely. people. Absolutely, and it's really... In many ways. It's impact on, on, our, on our health, <laughs> on our mental health. Absolutely. Guess what, too, on that note, guess what, too? Guess what part of the brain is the most sensitive part of the brain to stress? Prefrontal cortex. We know that if a person goes into fight and flight, if they have a fearful, traumatic experience, even, you know, you can't control that sympathetic response. You can't, but you know you've gone into it because you, you flush, you, your heart rate goes up, you get, you get anxious, you get scared or you, go, you get angry or whatever. That emotional outburst comes out. If you're having one of those responses, it turns off your prefrontal cortex. Yeah. So it turns off your ability to regulate your emotions, to regulate your hormones, to regulate your autonomic nervous system, to regulate your movements, to control how you experience pain, to influence, you know, all that immune function, inflammatory levels, uh, emotional well-being, mental health, your executive functions, your ability to think rationally and clearly and logically, empathy, all these things get turned off under stress. And you think of the last four or five years of most Mm. people and the trauma that they've been under, 
You know, no wonder you see all of these problems on a rise. Mental health, there's more aggression, there's more crime. I'm, I, I was waiting for it. Yeah. I just knew it was going to come. Yeah. Because it just, there's so much trauma and stress and fear. Yes. And if you feel afraid, if you have that adrenaline rush go through you, your prefrontal cortex gets turned off. But guess what else happens? Because here's the link back to chiropractic again. And I know I'm ranting here, but the link back to chiropractic, guess what happens also under that fight and fly stress response? It turns off the little muscles closest to the spine and skull. It actually sets off their subluxation. It has the potential to set off, I should say. It has the potential to set off a subluxation in the spine. Just just the fight and flight response, the fear, the, tr- the, the stress. The being in that fear, yeah. You know? Gosh, we've got a big job ahead of us, haven't we? Yeah, well, you leave that for a little while and they start to get aches and pains in their spine and they're back into your office and they don't necessarily realise the connection that this isn't just this isn't just about their spine. This is impacting their brain. It's impacting, you know, their prefrontal cortex ability to think clearly and rationally, to control their emotions, to, to, to enable mental health, uh, quality of life, intelligence, mm. movements, pain. I mean, some of the pain that we chiropractors can actually reduce when we're adjusting them is possibly because we're just turning off the danger warning signals, you know, in the brain itself. Yeah. It's a. So the body's then perceiving it more accurately, itself more accurately. Yeah. So it's feeling less threatened. And so the pain decreases. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going off. Well, so what you're saying is we need. Yeah, yeah. So we do need to do, well, we need more of you, Heidi, to do some more research, some more clinical trials, but we are doing some, which is sounding uh, pretty significant, um, about to be published. Well done. And thank you. Um, Well, we have got lots to ponder and um, we can see that, yes, in practice, we do experience lots of people whose immune function has changed as a consequence of getting checked. Uh, but we also know that the research out there shows that there are chemical changes that occur in the in the body yeah. um, and hormonal changes, and the clinical trials that are coming will help support that, which is very cool. Well, we hope. Um, thank well, you so very to... much for your time. We hope. Yeah. Can we Absolutely. also pop the in science the... will tell us? As... Can we also pop in the link, Katie? Yes, to we the will. Pop in the link. Chiropractic. Because if there's anyone else out there that is listening that is interested in helping raise more money for this kind of research, we we do take donations through the college, which is a charitable trust. So it can be, you know, it can be written off as a tax um, benefit type thing. But it's it it, we can't do the research. We we can do the research. We've got all the expertise, but we we just don't have the money to pay the people to do the data collection and the analysis. So if anyone is interested in helping us, we can we can put a link in for the college's research donation page would be really really wonderful because you never know who who is listening in and who has the ability to 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 donate money towards research to charitable trusts and that would be amazing absolutely absolutely thank you so very very much Heidi for taking the time to chat with us today we are very very grateful for you and your team and all the work that you do thank you so very much we're going to put the link um, so that we can um, hopefully get lots of wonderful donations so to help support that great research. And if anyone wants to get in touch with Heidi, you'll be able to do that through the link that we'll have on the show notes. So thank you very much, Heidi. And um, we look forward to hearing from you again very soon. Oh, thank you, Katie. My pleasure.